Treasury.
just so you know. Beautiful. Well, hello, everyone. Sounds like we're working. There we go. Good to see all of you this evening as we gather together to worship and celebrate our amazing God. Notice anything different in the sanctuary, the Sancta Gymnasium? Yeah, we have some of our decorations up. Our art committee's been working hard, so we're grateful and thankful for them. Uh, that means we're starting a new season in the church year this weekend. It's the beginning of the season of Advent. And if you don't know the church year calendar is different than our normal calendar, the church year begins with Advent. So this is like Happy New Year for the church. Uh, we start this new year at the beginning of Advent, and Advent is about waiting and preparing for the coming of the Lord. So we're also starting a new sermon series, which you can see is called Waiting for Jesus. And what we're going to do in these four weekends of Advent is talk about some of the great Old Testament prophecies, how God prepared his people for the coming of the Messiah, for the coming of Jesus, and what he would do to fix what was broken uh, by sin. There are some just great prophecies as God helped the people wait patiently for his coming. So today, it's the first, so we're going to talk about the first messianic prophecy, the very beginning, the first promise that Jesus would come into our world already in Genesis chapter 315. So I can't wait to dig into that with you. Hopefully you got your sermon outlines already. We'll work through the word of God when we get to that point a little bit later. Also, since it's the season of Advent, you know we have Advent midweek services that begin this week. So Tuesdays at 11 and Wednesdays at 6.30 at our faith campus, you can join us for Advent worship. Uh, and then after the 11 o'clock Tuesday service, there's a social hour with some snacks and goodies. And before the 6.30 service, if you wanna join us for an Advent supper, just to be together with uh, other brothers and sisters in Christ or just scoot on over after work for a meal and worship, uh, we, you can join us for that this week, Wednesday at 6.30, no, at 5.30, is Mike's famous chili. Mike Henning, our youth director, has perfected the chili recipe in his own mind. He says it's the best ever. So if you want to join us, uh, that would be at 5.30. If you will sign up on the board, uh, the bulletin board out here in the commons area or online, either way, it would help us to prepare and know how much leftover chili I'm going to get to eat. All right, so be, sure, be ready for the season of Advent. All right, also our forums are coming this weekend. Uh, you all know we're celebrating our 75th anniversary as a congregation this year, and we're also a part of that celebration doing a capital campaign. Our goal is to raise $2.5 million to prepare ourselves for the next 75 years of ministry, doing roofs and parking lots and floors and decorations and uh, building for some future ministry sort of stuff. So the information on that will be given to all of you in the congregation on these three forums. They're listed for you in your service, uh, your announcement bulletin, what time. Just come with us to find out what's going on, to learn more about the projects, to learn more about how you can be a part of getting us into the next 75 years. Really excited about that. In case you're a celebration-only person, our forum here at Celebration will be next Saturday, right after this worship service. So if you want to come to the forum next Saturday, it will be right after its service, around 6.15 or so. We'll have a forum here, right here in this room. So I hope you can join us for one of those and find out what's going on. And then finally, our new giving envelopes for the year 2024 are available. And if you are still using envelopes and not giving online or in a different way, uh, you can pick up your envelopes here at the Celebration Ministry Center next week. But if you want them, we need you to sign up uh, your name. There's a sheet out on the little table out in the comments so that we know which ones to bring from the other site here for you. So if you'd like for us to bring those envelopes here to this site so you can pick them up, make sure you sign up on that little sheet. Just put your name down and we'll know to bring them over. 
All right, all that being said, it's time to worship our amazing God together today. So let's rise, please, and we're going to begin with the call to worship, which today is from the prophet Isaiah. This is one of those Old Testament prophecies that we'll be talking about that help God's people wait. Isaiah, 600 years before Jesus is even born, announces that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And then when John the Baptist shows up, right when Jesus is about to begin his ministry and fulfill that promise, he quotes these same verses to say the time of waiting is done. Jesus is here. So let's responsively read these verses together. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, clear a way for the Lord. Make a way in a desert, a road for our God. Every valley must be lifted up and every mountain hill leveled. The rough places will become a level plain, the rugged land a wide valley. The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it at the same time for the Lord has declared, decreed it. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. The king is coming. Make a way for, make a way for, make a way.
be seated. and celebrate all he that he is for us. If you're troubled, if you're troubled, heavy hearted, come to Jesus and find your peace. If you're I love the refrain of that song, 
Are there been more powerful words than this? That Jesus is mending the broken, bearing the burdens. All that you're needing, he is. So what do you need tonight? We're going to do this thing now called confession. This is really when we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, I'm just broken. And I need your love. I need your grace. I need your power. I need your strength. I just need to know that I'm okay, that you love me. And the good news is when we ask him that, he is right there to love and forgive. So today we begin the season of Advent, a season of preparing for Messiah's birth. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which can be defined not only as arrive or come to, but also as develop, set in and arise. In ancient Rome, Adventus was a technical term for the glorious entry of an emperor into his city. The Christian word Advent then is fitting to describe the coming of the Messiah one both fully man and fully God. The incarnation of Jesus then is the first step in God's plan of salvation for a fallen world. As Lutherans, we believe we are saved by grace. And what does this mean? Salvation is a free gift from God, not earned, but free to those who repent of their sins and believe that Jesus is their savior. Together as God's beloved children, let us take refuge then in his infinite mercy and confess our sins. And let's take a moment first for private and personal confession. Gracious God, we are sinful and unclean, and we have neglected to love you and our neighbor. We have placed our hope in the things of this world and broken your commandments. Things done and things left undone have alienated us from you and one another. By the merit of your Son, reconcile our debt and forgive us. By your spirit, help us to follow your will and glorify your holy name. Amen. Well, again, it is my joy and delight as one of your pastors to announce to you that your sins are forgiven. Not because you try really hard or because you've really done a lot of good things this week, but because of Jesus who loved you so much that he took all of your sins, that you just confessed to him, died for them and covered you instead with his righteousness and his love and his grace. You are forgiven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. You know, one of our great traditions in the season of Advent is the Advent wreath. And today we'll light the first candle, which is the candle of hope. Have you noticed we've been singing songs of hope? Well, as we light this hope candle, uh, we join together in the litany. Every good and perfect gift is from heaven above, coming down from the Father of lights. 
We gather today to celebrate the good and perfect gift of hope that saved us from sin and death. For in this hope, we have eternal life. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, Son of Righteousness, the Desire of Nations, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. The name that is above every name is Jesus. In his name we have put our hope. now we turn to the word of the Lord. And Genesis chapter 3 is one of the most powerful and important chapters in the whole Bible. In this one chapter, you will hear the worst news ever and the best news ever. I'd like for you to listen for the first promise. What did God do after we blew it, after we ruined his good and perfect creation? He already had a plan to fix and restore and to send Jesus to do it. From Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was craftier than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. 
So he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And this is the first gospel of the Lord. And now we turn to the gospel reading from John chapter 1, and since these words are about Jesus, let's rise in honor to him. As John begins his gospel, he talks about the Word. Now we know that the Word is another name for Jesus, because in verse 14 we'll hear that the Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. And so as you hear John talk about the word, think about Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, 
but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who believed him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus, the coming Christ. Now would be a good time to pull out your sermon outline that you have when you pulled in today. If you didn't get one, you can grab one back there. Also get a pen or a pencil. There's blanks to fill in today, so you're going to have to work for your supper. Uh, we'll kind of work through the Word of God together. If you have an extra, share with those around you. You can see we're starting this sermon series called Waiting for Jesus, and today we want to talk about the Lord's first promise. You heard already in the reading from Genesis what that promise was. I, I printed it for you in the top of your outline again. As God is pronouncing the consequences for Adam and Eve's sin and the serpent's deception, he promises that there will be one who will come. Listen what he said. I will put enmity between you, meaning Satan, the devil, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. That's our text. So let's talk about this first word, uh, this first promise. There's so much meat in this one little verse of scripture, this first promise. I mean, what does it teach us about what happened? You all know the story, right, of the fall, right, in Genesis chapter 3. If you want to just make it simple, here's some four little things, right, that sum up the fall. First of all, the devil tempts. You can write that in the blank. We hear how the devil lies and deceives and does everything he can to pull Adam and Eve away from their relationship with God. He outright lies about God's word. He twists God's word. And he even takes a little bit of God's word and then adds to it to make it false. In other words, he does everything he can to undermine what God had said to them. The devil tempts. And he is still tempting today. And you know what's really crazy? He is still tempting today the exact same way. Today in our world, God's word is being just lied about. God's word is being twisted. And in today's world, God's word is being used when people want to and misused when they want to as well. A little bit of truth and a little bit of lie all mixed together to make it so deceiving. The same tricks that the devil used then are the same tricks that the devil is using today. The devil tempted and the devil still tempts today. 
So first in the fall, the devil tempts and Adam and Eve fall. That's why we call it the fall. They, they fall to his tricks. They believe the, 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 temp, the temptations and the lies get in their heart and it twists and turns and churns until they sin. And then in that sin we will see comes the brokenness for themselves and for all of creation. The devil tempts, Adam and Eve fall, which leads to God pointing out the consequences. Because of their sin, because of their choices, now what was good and perfect is marred and broken. Now what God intended to be beautiful and perfect is now ugly and stained and hard. The consequences for Adam and Eve and the devil are clearly pronounced by God. The devil tempts, Adam and Eve fall, God pronounces the consequences, and then we get to this sort of cliffhanger. It's like you're right there at the cliffhanger. What is God going to do now? God had this beautiful plan. God had this beautiful creation. He created this beautiful man and woman in his image, and they were perfect. And he looked at them and said, it is very good. And then they messed it all up. So what is God going to do? You know, he could have just said, you guys blew it. You guys made your bed. Now you're going to have to sleep in it. You guys ruined creation. Now you're going to have to live with it. But that's not what God did. Instead, if you're filling in your blanks, God shows them how he will restore what was broken. And already he gives the first promise, the first hint that Jesus would come and that Jesus would restore and fix what Adam and Eve broke so that it would be back to the way God always wanted it to be. Because God didn't want us to live to in this broken place. He knew this is not what we were created for. He had something much better in mind for us. And so he has a plan already at the beginning to fix, restore, and redeem what was lost. Now that's what we're going to talk about next, this first promise. But let's make sure we've gotten our, our, our bearings of where we are. The devil tempts. Adam and Eve fall. God pronounces consequences, but then, thanks be to God, he reveals his plan to restore what was broken. And that plan, we call it the Proto-Evangelium. Do you see it printed there? There's your Scrabble word for the day, right? It's, it's just Latin for the first gospel, or really, Evangelium is good news. The first good news that God pronounces in the Bible comes in these next words. I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now let's just look what we learn about this first promise. God says someone is going to come who's going to fix what you guys just broke. Someone is going to come who's going to restore what has just been lost. Someone is going to come and do what you are completely unable to do to undo what you did. There's a promise that someone is going to come. Do you hear that there? Already in the beginning, the first promise, we know someone is coming. And what do we know about that someone? Well, first of all, we know that the Savior, this someone, will be a man, a human. Write that in the blank. Do you see, it's an, um, it's an offspring of, of Eve. In other words, it's going to be a human being. 
So when the Savior comes, already in Genesis 3, we know that it's going to be a person. It's going to be a human being just like you and I, flesh. We heard that, didn't we, in John's gospel. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That was the fulfillment of this first promise already in Genesis 3.15. Goosebumps, man, goosebumps. We know that the Savior is going to be a human. Second, we know the Savior will also be God. Because a human couldn't defeat the devil. We saw how Adam and Eve succumbed and lost. Only God could do that. So now we've learned that when the Savior comes, he's going to be both human and God. Wow, right? Again, John chapter 1. The word God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Third, we also heard how this Savior, this God-man, would be wounded. You can write that there in the blank. That he would be wounded. That oh, while he would crush the devil and destroy him, he would also be bruised. Right? He would be wounded somehow, some way. Did that come true? Of course, Jesus on the cross, right? Shed his blood for us. Gave his life for us so that we might be healed, redeemed, restored. And then also the fourth thing, we know that the Savior will be victorious. Right? That what was broken will be restored and everything will be put back the way that it should be. And it was. When Jesus said, it is finished from the cross... The word of restoration, redemption was complete. All in this one little verse, the Savior will be a man, he'll be God, he'll be wounded, and he'll be victorious. Now, I've always wondered, do you think Adam and Eve understood that? Don't you just wonder when, when God pronounced these consequences and when he said these words to them, do you think that really made sense? Do you think they heard that someone is going to come who's going to fix and redeem what was lost? Well, take a look at point three. Genesis 4, verse 1. That's the very next chapter after the promise. Right? It says there that Adam and Eve um, had a son. And when Cain was born, Adam, uh, Eve said this, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. But Luther, who was a master of the languages... When he translated the Hebrew of Genesis 4.1, he had those same four words. He didn't change the words, but the word order, he shuffled around a bit, which is something you do in translating, right? Luther's translation said that has Eve saying, I have brought forth a man, the Lord. In other words, in Luther's translation, do you see the difference? Eve believed that her firstborn son was the Lord. That already in her mind, she said, I remember what God said. I remember that he was going to fix what we broke. I remember how good it was in the Garden of Eden and how awful it is here. And I can't wait for my son Cain to be the one who will redeem, restore, and set things back again. Well, what happened with Cain? You know the story? As I wrote in your outline, instead of crushing Satan... Cain crushed, killed his brother Abel. What a moment that must have been for Adam and Eve. What a realization it must have been that this son wasn't the one. This son wasn't the Lord. Just the opposite of what we expected. 
What we see here is the effects of sin already in, in their lives and in the world. Can you see how sin is spreading? It starts with Adam and Eve, and now it spreads to their children. Cain kills Abel. There's another verse in chapter four where God shows up after Cain kills his brother and says, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries to the ground for me. Even creation is infected and affected by the sin of Cain and Abel. Sin just spreads like wildfire from the parents to the children to the creation to right to this very day. See, as I wrote, Adam and Eve understood the promise they were just a couple thousand years off. And from that point on, from the realization of Adam and Eve that Cain wasn't the one, God's people began a time of waiting, 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 praying, asking, pleading with God. Is now the time? When are you gonna come? When will the time be when you fulfill your promise? When will it happen? If you flip your outline to the back side, did the Old Testament people understand the promise of Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium? Did they? Well, yes. They waited with great anticipation for the coming of the Messiah. In fact, that's what our whole Advent sermon series is gonna be about. We'll be looking at the prophecies and the waiting of God's people for the time the Messiah would come. Yes, they understood the promise, but also no, they didn't understand because once the promise was fulfilled, they didn't receive Jesus for who he really was. By the time he shows up, they had invented a different kind of Messiah, a different kind of savior than the one God revealed to them in the Old Testament. John said that in his gospel that we heard John chapter one. He came to the world, but the world did not receive him. He came unto his own, but his own did not recognize him. See, they knew the promise, but they didn't know the promise. So Jesus comes and reveals who he really is and what he really came to do. And what was the ultimate revelation? It was when he gave his life, when God emptied himself, and became a servant unto death on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And there, Jesus on the cross, we see the fulfillment of the first promise that he would, the devil would strike at his heel, but Jesus would crush his power once and for all. And that leaves us with the last point. What does this mean for us today? Well, we can see the plan of God so clear, can't we? We are so blessed, I think, to live post-crucifixion, post-Jesus in the flesh, because they only anticipated what would come, and they wondered and had to put the pieces together. You and I know who he really was and how he really loved and how he really taught and what he really did when he died and the power that was released when he rose again from the dead. We know these things because we've seen them, but we can still wait our waiting, though, is different. We're not waiting for his first coming. We're not waiting for him to complete the promise of the Proto-Evangelium. We're waiting for him to come again, to bring it to completion. The second coming, when he raises everyone who has ever lived and gives them the gift of eternal life, the promise fulfilled, a new Garden of Eden called heaven. And he gets us right back 
to where he wanted us to be in the first place. And so, like the Old Testament people, we wait. We wait for the day Christ returns. We wait for the day when he fulfills the promise to bring us back to the Garden of Eden the way he always wanted it to be. Friends, how blessed are we to have a God like that who has such a beautiful plan all done for us that we might be forgiven, restored, redeemed, and given a new heaven, a new Garden of Eden prepared for us by Christ himself. Well, God bless you this Advent season as we remember his first coming Christmas and as we wait for his second coming again. Amen. All right, well, let's say thank you to our amazing God now with the giving of our offerings. As the ushers come on by with the baskets, I want to thank you for your giving. Uh, you know, these are the gifts we use to make the name of Jesus Christ known in our world. So thank you for your giving. Those of you who are participating online, you can see ways that you can give by texting or using our website. Again, we're very grateful and thankful for you being a part of our family and worship today. And uh, thank you for your giving as well. He became sin.
Friends, now we have the privilege and honor of being able to come to God with all of our joys, our concerns, and our special prayers. And as we do so, we know that this amazing God of ours always hears and always answers according to what he knows is best. So let's bow our heads and pray. Well, Jesus, Messiah, Lord, you truly are the name above all names. Every name we give you seems to fail in expressing who you are. You are our Redeemer. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You are the rescue of sinners. You are the ransom from heaven. You are the answer to that very first promise in Genesis chapter 3, that God would send one who would redeem and restore what was lost. How grateful we are this Advent as we wait, as we remember, first of all, your coming, and as we wait for you to come again in all of your glory. Lord, as we wait in this broken world, we know you are still at work helping us in our waiting time, blessing us, and hearing our prayers. And so we lift up to you tonight those who are struggling with health issues, who are healing or facing surgery or coming out of surgery. We pray for Rex Brockman, Deb Zimmer, Alicia Leon, Irma Wiesner, Kim Leffring, and the many others on our ongoing healing page. Lord, give them what they need, strength. Use doctors and nurses and medicine to bring healing. In the midst of their struggles, Lord, bring them peace. Lord, we also pray for those who have lost loved ones this week in their grief. We pray for the family of Diane Weber, the family of Stephen Roosh, for Martha Theodore's family as they mourn the passing of her brother Scott. Lord, as these families grieve, we pray that you would give them hope, the very hope we've been singing about and talking about today, hope that Diane and Stephen and Scott will one day uh, be redeemed and restored and brought to the, the new Eden heaven and give them hope that they will see each other again. Lord, there's also so much to celebrate in this world. We rejoice with Wally and Jan Miller in 48 years as husband and wife. And we pray, God, for our 75th anniversary of our congregation, how you've blessed us 
for these, for these 75 years, and we look forward to how you will continue to use us to lift up the name of Jesus for 75 more. And so we pray that you would bless our 75th anniversary capital campaign, that you would help us as we all work together as the body of Christ in this place to raise the funds that are necessary to um, improve our facilities and prepare us for the ministry ahead. So bless our forums this weekend that your will would be done. And finally, Lord, we pause for a moment just to offer up our own personal requests and prayers, knowing that you will hear and answer. Into your hands, then, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who himself has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, on the very night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Friends, this meal gives us such peace and joy. So take a moment now to share that peace and joy with one another before you are seated and come to the Lord's table.
having heard the word of God and received this great gift of the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, would you please rise for the dismissal blessing and closing hymn? Now, friends, may this true body and blood of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the true faith unto life everlasting. Go now in the peace, joy, and great forgiveness of your God. And as you go, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace until he comes again. Amen. <laughs>